So the purpose of the book and the message of the book is to give believers assurance of their salvation. Therefore, based on that, John gives a number of tests whereby we can look at these tests and test ourselves to see if we pass. If we pass, then we give evidence that we have been regenerated, that we really know Christ. If we fail, it means that we still need to be saved. I can't even imagine what it must feel like to be blind or even partially blind. I once knew someone who was vision impaired from birth. A new technique was developed that allowed the doctors to repair the defect and give this person their sight. He had only ever seen dark shadows before and now everything was crystal clear. He said, I never had a clue what I was missing. Being spiritually blind is like that. Lost people have no spiritual understanding and don't have a clue what they don't know. Until their eyes are opened, they may think that everybody is seeing the world just like they do. God wants to open our eyes to the truth. It takes a new birth to do that. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people that have joined the church by praying a prayer or walking an aisle, and their spiritual vision remains completely impaired. How is your spiritual eyesight? Are you seeing things clearly since coming to Christ? Or are the things of God still shadows in your life while the world shines strong and clear? God's truth becomes crystal clear to those who have been transformed by the Holy Spirit of God and grow under his teaching. Satan is the author of confusion. Pastor Steve Kreloff is preaching from the book of 1 John in this message series called The Tests of Worldliness. I hope you have been following the whole series. If you have missed a message or two, you can go to our website, versebyverseradio.org, and listen to or download any of the previous messages. You can share them with a friend, too. We're glad to have you as one of our listeners today. We'd love for you to become a regular listener and prayer partner if you aren't already. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, with today's message. In his book, Absolutely Sure, author Steve Lawson writes about the time he and his family were driving down the road while on vacation when his daughter began to read out loud the words on the back of a truck that was just in front of them. But after she read these words, Lawson's son protested, and he did it because he didn't believe that his sister could see those words since he was squinting. And he couldn't see those words. So his sister read the words again, but her brother still refused to believe that she was telling the truth because he just couldn't read those words on the truck right in front of them. Well, as it turned out, Steve Lawson and his wife discovered that day that their son, though an accomplished reader, was severely nearsighted. Even though this boy thought he could see perfectly, In reality, he couldn't see properly. Now, folks, that is true not only in the physical realm that people can't see like they think they can, but it's also true in the spiritual realm. There are many people who think that they can see God's truth perfectly, when in reality, they can't. And the reason that they can't see the truth of Scripture is because they're unsaved and therefore they are blind 
spiritually. All unsaved people are spiritually blind. That's the teaching of Scripture. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4.4 that the God of this world has blinded, he said, the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. They can't see it. They think they can, but they can't. Now, spiritual blindness is true of all unsaved people, but it is certainly the case with unsaved false teachers. Even though false teachers make bold and dogmatic statements and claims about what they believe to be God's truth, but what they believe is not God's truth. What they hold to is false doctrine, or as Paul told Timothy, doctrines of demons. It's demonic falsehood. Satanic falsehood. That was certainly the situation that the Apostle John and his readers, at least John's readers, were facing. They had been assaulted by false teachers, Gnostic teachers, who put an emphasis on knowledge. And these Gnostics had taught them error and had encouraged them to join them in their beliefs, embrace these errors. We see this clearly in the passage of Scripture that we're going to study. So let's look at 1 John. Let's turn there. 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 18, going to verse 28 is one section. It deals with doctrine, what we believe. John will repeat this other places in this letter, but this is the first time he deals with doctrine. 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 18. Children, he writes, It is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know the truth, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning." If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which he, has, which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, And just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Now with these words, John, the Apostle John, opens up to his beloved spiritual children, he calls them children, a whole new area of of truth that he has not yet touched upon in this letter as he deals with the question of doctrine. The question of doctrine, that's what this is about. It is a test. In doing so, John gives his readers and us, by way of application, a test. A test in order to help them to have assurance of their salvation. Remember, the book revolves 
around John's statement at the end of chapter 5, or the end of this book, chapter 5, verse 13, where he said, These things I have written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So the purpose of the book and the message of the book is to give believers assurance of their salvation. Therefore, based on that, John gives a number of tests whereby we can look at these tests and test ourselves to see if we pass. If we pass, then we give evidence that we have been regenerated, that we really know Christ. If we fail, it means that we still need to be saved. Now, as you recall, up to this point in his letter, John is focused on how believers in Christ behave. All the tests he has given so far have been about behavior. He's given them those tests to determine if they're true believers or not. For example, in chapter 1, he says true believers walk in the light. They, they behave in, in truth. They behave in holiness. That's what he means. Chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. True believers walk in the light. They walk in truth. They walk in holiness. Unbelievers do not. Unbelievers walk in error. They, they walk in disobedience. Secondly, he says, true believers confess their sin. They recognize they sin. They recognize they have sin. They recognize they continue to sin, and they confess their sins. They agree with God in a repentant Way, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So true believers do confess their sin. True believers recognize we're sinful, we continue to sin, we don't want to sin, we struggle with it, we confess it. Unbelievers don't. Now they may feel bad about the consequences of their sin, but they don't confess it in the sense that they know they they have grieved the Lord. That's not their concern. Number three, true believers, he tells us, keep God's commandments in the sense that we have a watchfulness, in the sense that we desire to obey. Chapter two, verses three and four, by this we know that we have come to know him, John says, if we keep his commandments. If that's a priority in life, the priority in life, to obey the Lord then we really know him. We really have a new nature because that new nature desires to obey. He says in verse four, the one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Regardless of what one professes to to believe and their testimony that they can give you, John says, if he does not keep God's word, doesn't care about it, he's not a Christian. That's the test of keeping his commandments. Then the fourth test that John has given is the test of believers loving other believers. If you're a believer, you love other believers. Chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. True believers have a genuine love and affection for other believers. Unbelievers could care less about Christians. In fact, they hate Christians. They, they persecute Christians. They don't love Christians. And then finally, we have been studying the last few weeks that true believers do not love 
the world. Unbelievers love the world because they're part of the world, but true believers have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And so John writes in verse 15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world and that thought is habitual lifestyle, loving the world, not being seduced and falling temporarily into a love relationship with the world. If anyone continues to love the world in a habitual Ongoing sense, John says, the love of the Father is not in him. He doesn't love God. You can't love God and love the world. Now, the reason John has placed such an emphasis on the behavior of Christians is because the false teachers who were influencing his readers, as I said a moment ago, they were Gnostics. Gnostics. And we know that Gnostics believed that it really didn't matter how a person lived. They really didn't care. What matters, they said, is knowledge. That's why they are called Gnostics as opposed to agnostic. Not knowing, these were Gnostics, emphasized knowledge. What matters, they said, is the knowledge that you possess. What matters is that you know certain mysteries and have enlightened information. In other words, what Gnostic teachers and Gnosticism as a religious system emphasized is that salvation came to you by a certain knowledge known only to the most enlightened ones like them. That's what they believed. They were enlightened. Everybody else wasn't. Join us and you'll be enlightened like us and be saved. Now, at this point, and by the way, let me just say that that's why John's readers who were believers struggled about the assurance of their salvation. They had been taught by these Gnostic teachers that they were not saved. And they didn't have this same knowledge that they did. And so these Gnostic teachers had moved on, but they had left in their trail a very confused church. And that's really why John is writing to them. Now, at this point in his letter, John is ready to counter this thinking about doctrine, this thinking by these Gnostic teachers about what they believe by giving one more test to determine if someone is a Christian or not. And this test, as I said, it's the test of truth, the test of what you believe, the test of how you relate to the truth, the test of of doctrine as it's revealed in Scripture, specifically the truth concerning Jesus Christ and the gospel message of salvation. In other words, those who are really saved embrace the truths of sound doctrine concerning Jesus Christ. And those who are not saved, they deny and reject the truth about the Son of God. He's not talking about peripheral issues. He's not talking about prophecy. He's not talking about the mode of baptism. He's talking about Christ, the atonement, the deity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, the heart of salvation. And the way that John gives this test is he draws a contrast between the false teachers and their relationship to the truth, and true believers and their relationship to the truth. John goes back and forth in this passage in describing the false teachers and Christians in these verses, and John tells us that true believers relate to the truth of God in four ways. Now, we're going to look at one of the ways this week, but let me give you the big picture. You can write this down because in weeks to come, this is what we're going to focus on. True believers relate to the truth of God in four ways. Number one, believers know 
the truth. They know the truth. Unbelievers don't. Secondly, believers believe the truth. Unbelievers reject it. Number three, believers remain loyal to the truth. Unbelievers apostatize. They depart from the faith or the truth. And number four, believers understand the truth so that they're not deceived. Unbelievers don't understand and they try to deceive. Now, we want to look at the first way that all believers relate to the truth. If this is the way you relate to the truth, then it's because you're saved. If not, then you still need to be saved. The first way that all believers relate to the truth is that they know the truth. Verse 18, Chogren, he writes, it's the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it's the last hour. Now John begins this section by informing the believers under his spiritual care, whom he calls Chogren, that they were living in dangerous times, which he identifies as the last hour. Now, by the last hour, we need to be careful to understand that John isn't telling them that they could expect that in a, in a few days, Jesus would return. These are the last hours, and then he's coming back. It's not what he's saying. According to the New Testament, the last hour, or words to that effect, is a description of the entire span of time beginning with the first coming of Christ and ending with the second coming of Christ. Let me show you that. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, the writer opens his letter by saying, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, he just means that God communicated his truth to, uh, through the prophets in a variety of ways. And, and at times, he says, notice this, in these final days, he's spoken to us in his son. In these final days, the writer, the inspired writer, calls the days of the church age the final days. It means from the time of Christ's first coming until he comes again. That's the final days. Right now, these days, we're living in the final days. We are still in the last hour. It's the time between the first and second coming of Christ. Then 2 Peter, or 1 Peter rather, chapter 1, verse 20. Peter says, for, speaking of Christ, for he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. This age is the last Times. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, Paul weighs in on this. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, Now these things happened to them as an example, meaning the Old Testament. And they were written for our instruction. They happened in Old Testament times. They were written down for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. He means New Testament era Christians. That's us. So John's readers were living in the last days. And so are we. We're living in the last hour. And one of the characteristics of this present age, this last hour, we're told by John, is a high number 
of false teachers whom he calls Antichrist. That's a characteristic of this present age. Many Antichrists, he said, even now many Antichrists have appeared. Now, what John means by this is that the age that we are presently in is marked by a rise in false teachers. That's what he means by Antichrist. And folks, think about this. Have you ever wondered why now, since the time of Christ's first coming, why are there so many false teachers? Why do they keep being poured out upon us? Why? Well, let me answer that. The reason for such a high number of false teachers today, meaning this present age, is because Christ's entrance into the world and then his subsequent death on the cross stirred Satan, provoked him. It aroused him, if you will, into intensifying his opposition to Christ and the gospel by raising up many false teachers who teach things contrary to the truth of God by denying the message of Christ and salvation. That's why there are so many false teachers. It's Satan's intensified opposition. Yes, he opposed the truth before Christ came, but not like today. A plethora of false teachers. Ever wondered why false religion just flourishes today? Why there are so many false teachers all around the world whose teaching is in direct opposition to Christ and the gospel? It's because Satan is behind them, trying to dissuade and prevent people from hearing the truth and believing the gospel of Christ. He is the author of confusion. He is the author of falsehood. Jesus said he is a liar and he's always been a liar. Actually, this large volume of false teachers during this age was predicted by Peter. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he predicted this. But false prophets also arose among the people. He means in Old Testament times, there were false prophets, just as there will also be false teachers among you. It means they're going to come in to the church who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon them. Peter predicted that in this age, there would be false teachers. One of the most crucial gifts that we need in today's world is discernment. A lot of Christians hear or see a teacher who looks Christian and talks Christian, and they just assume that he is speaking the truth. There are a lot of counterfeits out there. The Bible calls them false teachers. They lead people astray, not by totally opposing the Bible and turning people against it, but more by offering an insidious version of the Bible and inoculating people against the truth of Scripture. I hope you're not buying it. Compare what they are saying to what the Bible says. Isn't it great to be able to hear the Word of God and understand what God is saying? It can literally change our lives. This broadcast is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel of Clearwater, Florida. Come and visit us sometime. We're located halfway between US-19 and the beaches in Clearwater. Our church is all about getting out the clear teaching of the truth of God's Word. That's why Verse by Verse Radio exists. Our desire is to spread the truth of the gospel to the whole world. We need your help to be able to do that. 
We are supported by our listeners and our partners. If God lays it on your heart to give a gift to this ministry, we want to help you to be able to do that. You can give by going on our website and giving online. The website address is versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. The mailing address is Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758, or you can call us at 727-239-0306. We'd really like to hear from you. Our website has a lot of very helpful resources. Sign up for our quarterly newsletter. You can download any of the messages in the archives for free. If you want to order an entire series of messages on CD, just give us a call. It's been our privilege to share this time around the Word of God with you today. Don't miss the next message in this series. For Pastor Steve and the whole team, this is Jerry Pruden saying thanks for listening. We hope you'll tune in next time on Verse by Verse. Verse by Verse.